Flash Gordon is a tongue-in-cheek space opera, filled with colourful costumes, extravagant sets, and horny characters. Neither of us had ever seen the film before, so join us today as we share our first-time thoughts on Flash Gordon. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together, we talk about movies. It's really quite that simple. And on this episode, we'll be discussing Flash Garden, the 1980 movie, which neither of us had ever seen. And this was a Patreon vote winner every month at patreon.com slash TV and the voting $10 tier uh, our patrons get to vote between three movies, and this was the winner of, I guess, I, it was basically a cheesy vote, like a pick three kind of, you know, cheesy, light-hearted looking movies. I don't think, I, don't, I can't remember what the other options were, but I don't think I've seen at least two of them, including this one. So, Flash Garden 1, that's what we're going to talk about. It is a uh, tongue-in-cheek space opera, I guess. <laughs> um, and I, sh- I should also point out that I have never seen any classic flash garden i've never read classic flash garden comic strips um i have this is my first exposure to anything flash garden as far as i know what's your backstory i have seen some of the um the serial because it's uh it it was done for riff tracks not with the usual guys i'm wearing their shirt today turn a swamp thing but um (laughs) It was done by, I think, the two British guys, but it came randomly on TV on, like, uh, Pluto or something on the channel, and I watched a couple of those. Um, but I don't really know. I, I mean, I never saw this movie before, and the only references I knew, like, it kind of had a bit of a resurgence after Ted came out, which is a movie that I watched half of and couldn't stand it and turned it off, but it... Uh, you know, a lot of people liked it, and so a lot of people were talking about Flash Gordon after that film. But that's all. That was my knowledge. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just didn't know much. I, I'd heard of Flash Gordon a bunch. Uh, it was kind of, you know, I've always been a fan of The Flash, so Flash Gordon just kind of felt like this weird other thing with a similar name. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'd heard mixed opinions on this movie. I'd heard people on podcasts and stuff sort of say, Ah, they like the music, <laughs> but they don't necessarily love the the movie. And obviously, Queen, the band, of course, uh, do the theme song uh, for for the, for the film. Um, and I'd heard it before, but it only just clicked on this viewing that it's what the uh, the Dayman song from "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" is uh, riffing on. Oh my god, I never noticed that. <laughs> it, do, do you know what it was? Cause, uh-huh. Yeah, because because you know the, the the Flash Garden song is Flash. Oh, right, and after I heard that a couple times in the movie, I just started going, "Day man, ah, fighter of the night." <laughs> I was like, "Shit!" You see those guys being into Flash Gordon? Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming at least at this point that it's uh, that's a riff on that. It has to be. It's too. It's too close. Well, the melodies aren't really close at all. No, the melodies aren't. But I just mean the oh, <laughs> after the <laughs> after the announcement of the hero. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of faces in this as well, which we'll we'll, we'll mention as we as we talk about it. Uh, the general premise is that there is this evil emperor named Ming, who is the emperor of the land of Mongo. I feel like I'm just making up words, 
uh and this is like somewhere else in space somewhere uh but how many cronies on a ship like find other planets to mess with and he, he's literally got like a like a soundboard that creates like weather <laughs> so he, he's just he's messing with earth just for like fun of it they found earth and he's like ah let's put some hail storms on or let's do a wee tornado over there and he's just having a laugh that's what he's doing um but there's a scientist on earth who is convinced that the earth is under attack and he's right to be fair but <laughs> he's convinced he's you know this is going on and he ends up kidnapping a American football star by the name of Flash Gordon and a travel agent, I think they said she was, uh, who he just happens to be with because they were flying in a plane together. And they end up in space uh, in this regime that's basically a, you know, a, a dictatorship, a, a police state kind of thing. An empire, yes. Um, and Emperor Ming is played by Max von Sydow. Who I did not. I'd seen photos of this character like before because it's just the sort of thing you see from time to time. I never knew it was him. Obviously, as soon as he started talking, I knew it was him. But I didn't know it was him either. Yeah, I was like, "Oh shit, it's him!" I'm so glad he tried. He didn't do any kind of accent. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. No, I I was also pleased with that. Uh, there's a few interesting faces in this though, because so once they're there, the the general premise is, is that. Ming rules this kingdom, which is basically multiple planets with different, like, cultures on them, and they're all, like, kept fighting each other, and like, that keeps Ming in power, and you've got, like, the tree people who are led by Timothy Dalton, <laughs> who's, who's Baron. Uh, right before Bond, I think. Yeah, and then you've got... I think he was an 80s Bond. Late 80s, yeah, because I think License to Kill is, like, 89, I want to say, so I think, I think his mm-hmm. two were towards the end of the decade. And then you've got the Hawkman, which is very distracting because Hawkman is a thing in DC Comics as well. Uh, and I don't know, Flash Garden's such an old thing that DC might have even taken the idea from Flash uh, Garden. I'm sure there's some influence. Yeah. Uh, you know, people can fill me in in the, uh, the comments if you have some trivia on that. But um, they're not Thanagarians, although every time I talk about them now, I'm probably going to refer to them as Thanagarians because that's what Hawkman is. <laughs> and. And DC Comics. Okay, I'll try to remember. Well, half the time. Half the time he's a reincarnated uh, person who's been, you know, around since Egyptian days, but or ancient Egypt, I should say. Uh, yeah, so there's two very different backstories to Hawkman and Hawkgirl, and they, they, they don't mesh together that well at all. Although they've tried many a time to <laughs> make them coexist somehow. Well, there was that Cartoon Network show that had the um, Hawkman-looking thing in it. But it was an attorney. Birdman, I think it was. Oh, okay. I, I vaguely... I think I can picture... I, Joe, I've not thought about this in decades. Like, probably it's since... It's like Hawkman I, in a suit. Yeah, I, I, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. I, I can, That's a good yeah. show. But anyway, the leader of the Hawkman is played by Brian's... Ble- uh, sorry, Brian. Uh, Brian's Blessed. Brian Blessed, who is a British actor, uh, obviously of a previous generation, but um, I don't know him too well. I just remember he showed up in a short that I watched once. Was it in? It was some sometime in university I saw this. But we watched a short just to study how the short was like produced or whatever. Um, and I never I never really knew who Brian, Brian Blessed was. And when he started talking, and you don't hear it in this movie because he's doing kind of like a different voice in this movie, but when I heard him talking... And what I presume is his normal voice, or closer to his normal voice, he sounds exactly like Matt Berry. He sounds... That is exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> John Rhys-Davies and Matt Berry had a baby. 
<laughs> well, surely it's still a bit. Surely Brian Blessed uh, had two kids. <laughs> That's not how my brain works, though. What is Matt to... Berry? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wasn't expecting him in this, so he's in here uh, as the, the leader of the Hawkmen. He's Voltan. Uh, and then you've got some people that I don't necessarily know, but uh, uh, we have Flash Gordon himself, we have Dale, his love interest, uh, the, the travel agent lady. Uh, we have the scientist, Zarkov, who... Topo! I know him. Oh, yeah? Go on. Yeah, well, he's from... He's the star of Fiddler on the Roof. Ah, I see, I see. Um, he's a rich man. He's got a beautiful singing voice. Yeah, Ming's like second hand man or, sec- or right hand man. Uh, uh, the robot looking thing. He's well, he's, great. Well, he's not a robot. He's just got a mask on. Yeah, I, I don't. I wasn't sure what they were going for. I mean, you kind of get later on that he's not really a robot because yeah, something. But like, I think if he was supposed he's a great to great voice, I don't know who he is though. If he was supposed to be a robot, I'd have ripped it to shreds for how it looked. But I don't. It's, I don't think he's ever meant to be a robot. He's just meant to be a guy with a cool mask on so it's like okay it's fine now i could have sworn i knew his voice and then i looked him up and i've never heard of him so i don't know who he is either but yeah his voice is so familiar I, either it's... he's done a voice in something that i've heard before or he just sounds like someone else but his voice really stuck out you want to do an impression of him saying the word earth <laughs> no i really don't earth <laughs> um <laughs> He's so disgusted by the name of our planet, Earth. And the only other character, the main character that I've not mentioned yet, is the princess uh, Aura, who is uh, Ming's daughter, who is extremely horny and mischievous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that is her whole thing. That's uh, a superpower. Uh, she's basically playing lots of different men off of each other to get what she wants, uh, and including her father. Include yes, yes. Uh, so. Yes, although I assume her father's the only one she's not trying to have sex with because she's clearly ha- trying to have sex or has had sex with all the other men. She's just, like, manipulating or moving around to her, her own behest. So that's all the main characters. Uh, you know, there you go. That That is, the, that is the, the gist of it. Ultimately, the plot of the movie is that uh, Meng doesn't treat these three Earthers very well. Uh, and ultimately, Flash Gordon's going to inspire the various tribes to finally realize that they can fight back against the dictatorship by just stopping their, their own infighting and starting to team up. Uh, but one of the weirdest lines of the whole movie is he says to uh, Princess Aura, why, don't, why doesn't anyone team up and, like, you know, fight Ming? And she's like, team up? What does that mean? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> all right, all right, movie. Uh, so... That, that is the gist of it, right? Obviously, we'll get into the rest and spoilers later. That you know, We'll keep it spoiler-free for now. Uh, but I suppose I'm at the, the point where I'm just going to ask the question. Tara, what did you think of Flash Gordon? So, yeah, first time watch for me, and I really liked it. <laughs> I knew you were going to like this. I knew it. I could sense it in my veins. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's definitely up my street. I mean, I just love the aesthetic of it. Everything looks so cool like it came out of a heavy metal cartoon the, the plus i mean the soundtrack does help a lot um the special effects are at that sweet spot where you have matte paintings and model work and just kind of like improvised whatever to make it look good and i love that i love all the costumes all the set pieces and i think apart from like 
the dud that is the main character of Flash Gordon. Oh, he's so terrible. Uh, I'm so happy you're not going to try and defend him because he's and so bland. maybe like the, uh, you know, the, some of the problematic design of uh, Ming. Um, I think other if it weren't for that, it, this movie would be so high on my list of like all timers. Like it's so good. <laughs> I love how horny it is. I love, I just love it. I, yeah, this, this movie's great. <laughs> well this is going to be a conversation i uh I, I heard in the trivia heard i read in the trivia that uh kurt russell was uh originally approached to play him oh um, it'd be so he did, much he did the john carpenter thing instead so it was so funny is that, that i feel it's so good though i feel like his character in big trouble in little china is actually mm-hmm. taking the piss out of the the type of character flash gordon is right because the whole point well, of big trouble in little china is that he thinks he's the hero, but he's not really. It's everyone else around him. Whereas this movie just... It, it, obviously, it, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's not trying to take itself seriously. Yeah. But Flash Gordon is constantly treated like he's this messiah who's going to solve everyone's problems. And I'm like, he's just this, like, charisma void of, a like, a, a plank of wood. Like, he's... Oh, yeah, he is he's, he's doing nothing. Death. Like, every line he gives. Like, he's not delivering a line, like, uh, terribly, you know? Uh, although I do think Red Brown would be perfect in this role. Oh, perfect! Oh, Red Brown. Oh, this would be a terror if Red Brown was in the lead role. Oh yeah, honestly, like this would be his his masterpiece if he had, if they got Red Brown. That would have been like the that's perfect casting right there. As but long it as it's awfully close to your even the song, you know. <laughs> I'm going to shock you. I think your is a better movie than Flash Gordon. <laughs> I mean. Well, I enjoyed it more at least. Though, I'll say that. Yours is pretty great. Um, yeah. Missed opportunity with Red Brown. I don't know what I've seen before, but uh, I'll end it with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this because on the one hand, I can enjoy something that's that's cheesier. I especially enjoy matte paintings and practical effects, even if they're not the most amazing you know versions of it in the world. And I was thinking a lot about the time period this came out. And this came out in 1980, right after... The first couple Star Wars movies and Alien, and I'm just thinking, there's a reason why audiences at the time maybe weren't in the mood <laughs> for this, you know, this version of this type of sci-fi. That's why they made it so horny, though. That's what makes it different. Yeah, we'll talk about the harness. Don't worry. That's, that's something we'll get to in spoilers. Uh, I have thoughts. So, Love it. I, I, like, I have mixed feelings on it. I, I don't like completely hate it i think there's large chunks of it i think are completely boring and part of that is that the main character is completely nothing it's entertaining enough for like the first 20 to 30 minutes see once it actually settles into like oh there's these different tribes that he has to like sort of like get to unite or you know start thinking for themselves or whatever once it gets into that i was just painfully bored because it's just it plays out exactly as, as it's going to uh there's not really any excitement in the action sequences the actual drama of what's going like once it got done introducing me to a lot of crazy stuff which i was kind of you know enjoying for how silly it was once it actually expected me to like give even like a little bit of a shit about the plot i was just like ah, you know i'm just like you know <laughs> like the, the last like 20 30 minutes I, I i thought were just like a blur of laser beams and not in a good way <laughs> like i wasn't there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting little details I want to talk about, but the actual overall plot I think is just dull. I I will say that I think it's also a missed opportunity for the film because in the beginning there's like a, an initial fight where 
No, Flash Gordon, I always thought he was like a superhero, and I kept waiting for him to get like superpowers, and that's not <laughs> the case. Like, he's just a quarterback for the New York Jets. Yes, but it turns <laughs> out you can use those skills to fight entire rooms full of people. See, I like that scene a lot, because I thought that scene was hilarious and pretty, like, tongue-in-cheek, and also, mm. uh, you know, especially, uh, we'll, we'll get into the details, but, like, I really liked that scene, and I thought that was going to be the style. Like, he was just going to be a football player, and that's how he was going to defeat Emperor Ming. But the ending isn't really, like, the, the last big battle and stuff, they don't, go, they don't lean into that at all. I mean, they, it's still pretty cool, though. They don't really lean into it at all after that scene. It's just kind of like a... Okay, that's it. everything related to the fact that he's a football player is just lost after that because it doesn't matter. Um, no, he says like his some of his one liners are just like quarterback lines and stuff. Yeah, um, but they don't use it. Like see, second see, down. If, if if the final fight in this movie was somehow he convinced Ming to play a game of football with him for the fate of like mankind, I'd have been like, no, okay, he has armies. You know, he needs to be the quarterback of these armies. You know, and. Uh, would have been better if it was more obvious that they were, they were doing some sort of uh, football thing. I think that would have made it. <clears throat> Again, that just would have made the movie so much better. Yeah. So uh, I, I thought the plot was just completely dull. I, I didn't, and I didn't really like uh, the main trio of characters are by far the the most boring ones to varying Even degrees. Topol? I like Topol in it. Uh, the scientist, the mad scientist who okay. gets his way with a gun. Don't, don't say he's... Wait, his, his real name is just one word? What? what? Yeah. That's weird. No, Zarkov. Um, he's probably Don't the most... say his what? His name? <laughs> I'm not going to know his real name, though. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like, he's probably the most interesting of the three. And I also couldn't escape that this has obviously been greenlit because of Star Wars, and I couldn't help but notice uh, there's some similarities, you know, especially when uh, Dane's on her own, or Dale, sorry, is on her own. And she's like sort of trying to like escape capture and I'm like, this is very Leia on the Death Star. I mean, not exactly, obviously it's got a different tone and it's doing different things, but you've got a trio of characters, one girl, two guys. Uh, the personalities don't match with the other trio at all, don't get me wrong. Uh, like, They're so different, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's no correlation with uh, Han and the scientist, dude, but like... You and can, there's no Chewie. Well, he's separate. I'm just talking about the trio of humans. But you could almost argue that if you took Luke Skywalker, took away all of his character, and reduced him to just his blonde hair, <laughs> that you may end up with Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked to see if he was in anything else, and he's in, apparently he shows up in Ted and Ted 2, or at least maybe all of his, uh, maybe they just watch the movie or something and they have to give him a credit, I don't know. Uh, archive footage. <laughs> like I said I didn't finish it. <laughs> No, no. Um, I think if he gets a credit, it means he's in it. You but get there's like, there's like nothing. I mean, he he's in like episodes of TV for like one episode. Like he really hasn't done very much after that. I can see why. So yeah, because he's not <laughs> good. He's dead. And and like, oh, I remember what I was trying to say before. Like, it's not like his line delivery is bad to where you're like, this guy's a bad actor. It's just it comes off like. Like, there's just nothing behind his line, you know? He's just sort of reading it in a way that he would probably say it in Even, real life. But that's not fun to watch. Like, there's no, like, there's no anger. There's no frustration. There's no, like, heroicness about any, any of his lines that he's reading. Or any passion during, like, the the, the love stuff, you know? There's, there's like, nothing. 
even before he he's says anything, though, he's already bad. Like, like well, the first time you see him, he's sort of just sitting in a car waiting for like uh, other people to arrive so they can get on their private plane. Listening to football, right? And the, even just when he looks out the window and sees D- uh, Dale for the first time and just gives her this look, immediately I was like, "Oh, this guy's not got it." Like this look, the look he gave her felt poor in terms of like a performance, and I just like he's not got it. Like all of a sudden, his charisma's already done before he's even opened his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah so you know it is and i think part of it as well is that it, it, it feels like it feels like okay they got a pretty boy to, to put in this role uh i don't know if he did modeling before or if he was just an athlete or whatever but it feels like he's a little too touched up um i could almost feel the makeup around his eyes <laughs> as he was yeah, in the he, early scenes uh, yeah, especially he's a very pretty man but like it just attractiveness is not just like if they look good you know in a in a whatever he was wearing in the underpants the black underpants <laughs> at one point you know he needs to have something that is magnetic to men and women you know like he needs to have uh, the the charm the charisma the the a little smirk or something or a side eye something that makes you go there's something going on up there <laughs> and i want to know this person there's nothing going on up there. No, his brain's empty. <laughs> there is void of any activity of any kind, uh, I'm afraid to say. Uh, which, uh, you know, probably feels quite harsh, but, like, he, he has he has nothing going for him. Like, it... it yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a shame. It might actually help the movie a lot if he was, like, charismatic and you could get behind him. And even if it was still kind of silly that this quarterback's going to, like, save the universe by like convincing and inspiring all these different aliens yeah at least if he was charismatic it would still be a silly premise but you'd be like oh it's fun to just watch him do it because but 1980s or 1980 arnold schwarzenegger could have pulled this off too the, the, the problem with it is though is that when things actually happen and he seems to convince people to change their ways or convince them to to think of a new way of life it just kind of happens because we're at the point in the movie where it's supposed he's supposed to have done that, and there's not really other than just one raw plot reason, you know, because there's, there's usually a trigger obviously in the plot. But yeah, you can say that X thing happens because Y happened. Fair enough, that's the the raw mechanics of it. But it's another thing to convince me that the the you know the the, the first thing that inspired the change was convincing to the other characters that it actually is convincing that he was able to change timothy dalton's mind about like his weird tree cult fetish or whatever he's got going on so yeah i mean since i watched or since i saw the trivia that said that uh kurt russell was initially approached to play flash i kept like picturing him in the role and how like young kurt russell would have delivered certain lines and i could buy that he could have convinced timothy dalton because he's got so much personality you know yeah, or even um, Ted Lasso. You put Ted Lasso in this role, uh, and instead of being a quarterback, he's a coach. I can see Ted Lasso just, like, burning the cynicism out of everyone <laughs> and making them believe. That would have been an interesting, uh, yeah, cast. <laughs> Ted Lasso, not the actor. Yes. Yeah, okay. So it should have been Ted Lasso. That's the type of, like, vibe uh, that you Because I think that's, you know, because Ted Lasso, I, you know, people have joked a lot about Ted Lasso and how Ted Lasso and Roy Kent are, like, a good example of how you write Superman and Batman together. Because they, they share a lot of commonalities with those two characters and how they interact. And I think the reason, why, the reason why I'm bringing that up 
is because I do think the part of the problem with Flash Gordon, at least in this movie, is a problem people often say about Superman is that Superman's too much of a boy scout. He's too he's too white meat babyface. Um, he doesn't have any edge to him or any cynicism or any sort of quirk or you know he's he's, he's very much the straight hero. And Superman works when he's written well, in the same way that Ted Lasso works, because you you can do it. You you give them depth in other ways. You you make being good hard and make it be stressful. You you uh, have them actually be inspired and so on. I think Flash Gordon in this movie, particularly because I've not seen any other examples of him, he's basically the worst like version of this where he doesn't have anything else. We're just told constantly that he is this great guy <laughs> that is going to change everything and he's, he's the chosen one. And it's really quickly as well, they, they land, they've not even spoken to any aliens yet because that's what they effectively are, all these other characters. And they're walking to the royal palace and the scientist just sort of looks up and goes, this looks like a police state. They're just waiting for someone to inspire them. And Flash goes, you mean me? He's like, yes, why not? <laughs> like, why? Why? Not? why? <laughs> what, what absurd thing to leap to in the first 10 seconds of seeing yeah. this civilization. <laughs> Topol probably could have done it much easier. <laughs> oh. You know why? It's because, and I don't think this is true of the serial or for the comics, because football hasn't always been America's sport. Mm-hmm. But in the past couple of decades or a few decades, it has been like this is football is just uh, the the thing that we go crazy for. Is that, you know? uh, can I make the assumption that that's got something to do with when the Super Bowl became a thing? Is that kind of what the timelines like? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't know when the Super Bowl was a thing. It's well, been like four, 50 years. Though. Well, they number it every year. So yeah, I think we're at about 50, we're not. <laughs> I think so. 50 something. Yeah. So. That sounds about right, because that pushes you back to, what, the late 60s, early 70s? Yeah. But even still, it probably, like, it took a while for, for it to surpass baseball, I imagine, as, like, America's pastime, which we still call baseball for legacy reasons, but, you know, it's football. That's what everybody gets excited about. It's what everyone's jerseys are, unless you meet, like, someone who's really into basketball or the Lakers or something. It's always uh, football. So, I... I I think America's obsession with football and like men's obsession with their quarterback, their real life Superman is their quarterback. Like maybe that's all that they need for them to accept that he's going to be a superhero. Like this is it. That's enough. He's a quarterback for the New York Jets. Therefore, he is a Superman. Whereas my reaction to he's a quarterback is, well, that's lame. What else has he got? (laughs) That's, that's, that's my first thought. I mean, he does have the personality of a lot of quarterbacks, which is... Oh, what a know, burn. That is a burn. Pretty dull. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a couple of good... Like, uh, I'd say... Uh, well, I used to say Aaron Rodgers, but not anymore. He's a... He's a, what a loser. I, I can't uh, name a single American football player, so there's no point in me. Peyton Manning was pretty fun. I think he's retired now, though. I don't know. Okay, I really okay. don't watch football anymore. But Peyton Manning was pretty... Like, he was someone who was... He'd do commercials, he'd do Saturday Night Live, and he would be pretty funny. Brett I did. Favre was awful. <laughs> when he, would do, he was in a couple of movies, and, you know, you always know when there's a, a real athlete in a movie, you're like, oh, God, this person can't act. <laughs> I do respect the uh, the ultra-sense score. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the score's great. 
mean, I, I don't think that was ever up for debate, though. Although it does get a little bit farty a couple of times. It's like, like Ming's got like an evil theme where it's like this really low rumble. I'm like, that's not that's a farty synth. It's like a low sustained fart. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the music generally I enjoyed. And I kind of like the look of the map paintings and stuff and like the weird clouds and shit when they're flying around. Uh, I will say the costumes and the sets aren't really to my taste. Like, I prefer something with a, a touch more grip to it, even if you're going ultra colourful. Like, I like colourful design in uh, sci-fi, like, you know, Fifth Element, or, or even Star Wars to an extent. But Star Wars has that griminess on top of it, where it's like, it still feels lived in, whereas here it feels like, no, the costume designer and the set designer are just, like, masturbating, like, all over the departments, like, just making this shit. They are so pumped that they got to do this stuff. <laughs> Which is fine, but... Yeah, I would have appreciated something that a little bit more lived in, but I do like the designs. Like, I like the, um, you know, initially I thought he was a robot, and I think maybe I, the reason I like him is because they got a guy with, uh, who, who, who feels like a stage actor to play him, you know? He feels like someone with a lot of gravitas, do, do a lot know, of, like, was funny. big delivery. You, Go ahead. You said robot, first thing I thought when I saw him, Dr. Doom. Okay. He looks like Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom, a robot? No, but he's got like a mask like that, and he's got a cloak. Uh, it's silver rather than gold that like this movie that's, that this character has. But the very Doctor Doom looking uh, mask. Again, comics. Probably yeah. Probably took some inspiration. Yeah. I assume this character was in the original comics. I I don't know, but I also that's why I put out when I earlier I said you know I feel like the influence of like I mean this only exists this only get a budget because Star Wars was this huge hit. I am aware that Star Wars in itself is largely inspired by old serials of Flash Gordon. There's an irony to that, but it's this kind of like self-perpetuating thing. Like Die Hard 4 exists because 24 is big, but 24 was clearly inspired by Die Hard. There's this, you know, kind of self-fulfilling, you know, like, uh, cycle, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, but... You can even say Star Wars and Star Trek. Like, we got the movies after Star Wars came out, which was oh, sure. also clearly inspired by Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, hell, a lot of things came out. I mean, we, we have so much good sci-fi that came out after Star Wars that, you know, it's different from Star Wars. Alien is nothing like Star Wars, but the reason why Alien got a budget is because Star Wars was a hit and they wanted more sci-fi. That's what's more in right now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, for as much as, uh, and you know, this episode will go out after the first, so I can say out loud that Star Wars just won the vote, so we'll be starting oh. the Star Wars movies. Um, and I mean, I, I'll actually be fairly positive on the original trilogy, but even if I wasn't that positive on them, like, I can never be mad for the sci-fi boom and all the things that came because of Star Wars. Uh, Flash Gordon though is not one of those things that i really <laughs> care about or i'm excited or glad that it came out of it i think it's pretty cool i think it's a cool movie yeah okay okay i mean i can see why it appeals to you and there's definitely elements of it that appealed to me a bit and i kind of wished i liked it more like i was sort of feeling that as i was watching it where like i wish i was more or i was i'll put it this way i wish that the the tone it was going for was clicking with me because i could see if, if it was just adjusted a little bit I could see myself being into it, but I just it didn't quite hit it for me. Give it to Kostansky, the director of Psycho <laughs> Gorman. Give him the property. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I mean, like, there's probably lots of like d different directors, which, by the way, did, did you happen to notice what this director's also done? 
No. He's done at least, I mean, he may have more, but he's done at least one movie that we've covered on the show. Oh, did he do Terminal Man? Yeah, the Terminal Man is the, yeah. the correct answer, yes. Also a movie that had some potential, but kind of dull. Yeah, ultimately dull. I think I like the tone in Terminal Man more. Like, you know, early on when it's like kind of like, you know, dangerous and like, you know, what will this do to him kind of thing. I got more intrigue out of that. Although I, I yeah, met that there's got... that weird surgery scene. <laughs> that was like 45 minutes. Uh, okay okay he's a, wait <laughs> he's also the uncredited director on omen 2 damien i didn't realize there was like a weird thing there where there's like an uncredited director Ooh, is it an alan smithy movie i don't think so uh don taylor is the credited director but mike hodges is the uncredited so i don't know what the story is there like did there was don like you know slacking and mike came in to <laughs> like finish up or is this one of these things where he just did a little bit and that's why he's uncredited or was this like a ah no like this movie was like a, the production was a mess and Mike Hodges came in to like finish everything off and he's is this actually like a Toby Hooper Steven Spielberg situation allegedly <laughs> or like an Alex Garland situation I can't remember the director of Dread someone awful I think though uh, I don't remember what I meant either uh, I don't know it's just interesting uh, but yeah. I, I, I don't recognize anything else. Oh, I did get Car, which I've not seen, but obviously that's a pretty famous movie. Hmm. With uh, Michael Caine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before we start digging into the events of the movie and specific scenes? I think we should get into it. All right. Well, without further ado, full spoilers for Flash Garden, the movie. You've been warned. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm not singing this song. I refuse. I refuse. Uh, Savior of the universe. The movie. The movie actually opens with just a shot of Earth, but then like this crosshairs comes over it, and you just hear like Ming talking to uh, uh, Cletus, being like, "Ah, yes, these." You know, this planet, this puny planet, we will have our fun with them. And he triggers some storms and shit. The locals call it Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I appreciated, though, that after the opening titles, like, it, you see flashing, like, uh, what was it? It's hot Hail? Yeah, I was like, Hot yeah. Hail? What is that? Uh, yeah, I've never heard of Hot Hailstones, but yeah, like, there's basically, like, bits of, like, you know, Volcanic, volcanic rock <laughs> like coming down. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're meteorites. Oh, the meteorite. Okay, uh, okay, that makes some sense. Or like bits of the moon, because this movie is actually also Moonfall. Oh yeah, like I mean, it's just casually mentioned a couple. It's not actually that big a part of it. It's just mentioned by the scientists a couple of times that the moon's falling at orbit and was going to like destroy the Earth. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> Emmerich, <laughs> you hack. <laughs> um, so yeah, but the movie opens on Earth with Flash just kind of like waiting in his car and we interested Dale and she's kind of like standoffish with him until he's sitting down and just says that she's scared of flying and that's why she's been a bit rude. Um, and he's very nice to her. We find out he's been taking flying lessons. There's a bit of turbulence, blah, blah. He, he says, my name is Flash. And she says, I know who you are. And also he's wearing a shirt that says Flash. <laughs> he's also like literally on magazine covers that he's holding as well. Like he's, he's, he's very mm -hmm. famous 
And I feel like, given that she's a travel agent on a private plane with him, she probably knew who he was <laughs> before she probably. got on the plane. Even even if she didn't know anything about the sport or knew who he was, you know, as a celebrity. Someone probably would have said, like, you're going to be riding with Flash. Yeah. In his private jet. <laughs> the, the line of dialogue that I, I stuck out to me here, actually, that I really wanted to point out, because I just thought it was such a weird exchange, is she says to him, can you tell, say something to me, you know, to help take my mind off? you know, flying, right? And he goes, you know, uh, when I saw you in the hotel last night, I was surprised that a girl like you would be on your own. And she goes, oh, you're just saying that to take my mind off this. Well, that's what you just asked me to do. That's what you just asked me to do. <laughs> you don't just crack some code. You're out of text. <laughs> well, yeah, but it is like he is trying to like, you know, give her a compliment and stuff and she's doing the whole, oh, stop. Yeah. Just flirting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it does end up with her by the end, because I, I thought the kinky uh, princess was way more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dale's fine and all, but, but, you know... Uh, a very lovely-looking lady, yes. But she's not wearing a cat suit. <laughs> and she's not... I'll just skip ahead to this, but... So, basically, because the princess is, like, doing a lot of shady stuff that the emperor doesn't approve of, he lets Cletus torture her, uh, which is on a table, and it's like the holders for her he, hands and feet. He lets he lets uh, Cletus's dominatrix woman give her the cat of nine tails. <laughs> I was getting to that, but like the, on the table, it, like what holds her hands and feet are like golden hands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the holder. We see them early on too. Yeah. The uh, but yeah, yeah. So so there's like another woman who barely has you know like well she's got a lot of lines and scenes, but she's not like a big character. She's just kind of like one of the upper, you know, people. But she's whipping her back, and she's in pain. You know, he's he's interrogating her as he talks to her. Cletus says, and all I could think was, given how kinky she's been up until this point, I'm like, this is a really horny movie, and this feels like. And sure enough, a couple of scenes later, Cletus casually just says, "You know, that's a funny woman. That I think she even might have enjoyed it." And I'm like, oh, that's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot of kink. There's a lot of kink in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. one of the one of the spaceships is also very much a giant penis. Like, you know, there's, there's a bit of that going on as well. That that's Ming ship, yeah. Oh, that's not Ming ship because Ming ship's the other one because this is the ship that Cletus is on first because he, he comes on his own first to the other planet, and then mm. later Ming shows up. Like, Ming's the the one that's got the big spike at the front, which you know because that's what happens to him at the end. <laughs> right, I thought they were the same. No, no, it's two ships. It's two big ships. Cletus has got his own ship. Maybe he like feels like he has to compensate for the fact that he's not emperor. He's like uh, you know bitch to the emperor, so he has a giant penis ship. That line gets dropped too. Like you hear the word bitch, mm. lion bitch. It's like the first thing Timothy Dalton says to uh, the princess. Yes, he clearly knows her well. <laughs> this is, is, is the gist I got from that. She's um, not bothered by it at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the plane crashes, but you know. Obviously, our main two characters are fine. And they just happened to crash where our crazy mad scientist stood. Uh, decides to abduct him because he's got a rocket ship <laughs> to go to the moon to try and figure out what's going on. Yeah, well, NASA won't take him seriously. They kicked him out. And so, so he and his, like, uh, crony that's helping him, he tries to get him to go onto the rocket ship. And then the crony's like, no, I'm not going. Like, even though he gives, I love the line because he like points his gun. And he's like, get in the ship. Uh, or no, he points the gun at the crony and says, 
get your toothbrush and whatever else because we're going on a trip or something. <laughs> and <laughs> this is such a funny line. <laughs> and I, I know this is supposed to be funny, this next part, but when Flash and Dale come in and he's like, he, he hides the gun behind his back so they don't know he's a threat, and he's like, hey, uh, oh, you've been in a crash. Uh, I suppose you would like to use a telephone. And Flash, just completely no sense of humor, just just goes, yes, we would. And he's like, oh, it's in there. And it's like clearly this port into a ship. And I'm like, how stupid are these two characters? I know this may be funny, right? I, but like, I don't Maybe know. Maybe there is a phone in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the cartoon logic tone of like convincing the main character to go into the, the rocket ship is quite there. Like, I don't know if it quite feels right. But anyway, they go on and he takes them up into space. Uh, 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 once they're he needs all three to do it. Yeah. yeah. But once they're so far into the atmosphere or out of the atmosphere, I should say, uh, Ming's men like spot there's a ship coming and they pull it through their portal to where they are in the land of Mongo or the galaxy of Mongo or the solar system of Mongo. Whatever Mongo is, they never really quite exactly state <laughs> to what extent Mongo is a place. It's just a collection of planets that ming rules over i like it i think it's cool i love how unambiguous it is you know Mm. ambiguous it is you know it is very like you can see flash gordon and like the serial and the comics being pre like uh space travel or at least like um a space race even that you just don't know you don't know what's out there so you can just kind of like say whatever like just make shit up but, um, you know, now this is the 1980s version of Flash Gordon, but we still have to make Mongo's world. So, like, how do we make this work? We just ignore everything that we know about space and we'll do the same thing that we did in that they did in the 30s or whatever. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, so they get brought in and they're kind of just like bystanders for the first bit because they're watching Ming, who gets his big grand entrance, tells one of the leaders of one of the groups to like kill himself to prove his loyalty but the guy tries to assassinate Ming it doesn't work though because Ming's got this fancy super ring that like freezes people and they they, they don't move uh, there's a lot of things to people and then it's like okay and then just as this is happening Flash just happens to go this Ming guy's a psychopath or something to that effect and and then the Alexa picks it up and repeats it and things like who said that who said that and that's when he inquires as to who they are and we end up with a fight this is i think it's after he says he's going to take dale for pleasure he's like i'm going to you come with us for our pleasure first he 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 like isolates her he's like let's see what you have to offer and like uses his ring on her and she gets this red glow and she starts like getting very aroused and like touching her body and she's kind of moaning and making like you know sexual overtones of whatever she's going through and then when it's over she's like she asks flash like what happened he goes i don't know but it was sensational (laughs) i thought that was such a funny line (laughs) also it's worth mentioning here that other than i think there's like a line here from the scientist from zarkov that he kind of says something to the effect of, oh, I'll, I'll shoot and you guys can try and run away I'll, to make up for the fact that I kidnapped you. But after this scene, it's kind of like never brought up or really matters again that he held them by gunpoint and like forced them into this situation. Yeah, he literally kidnapped them. <laughs> it never comes up again. And we're meant to just after like After they him. survived a plane crash. 
I know, I know. What a day. They're having a bad day, yeah. This has been a rough time. Um, we found out somewhere around here that, yeah, Earth's got, like, X number of hours before Ming destroys it, and, you know, that's kind of running in the background for the whole movie. Uh, but there's a big stupid scene here where Flash ends up fighting a bunch of the guards, and he does it as a football player, meaning that Zarkov throws him this melon-looking thing, <laughs> this, like, watermelon-looking ornament, and he starts using it as a football and, like, sort of does touchdowns and, like, ducks and dives. He knows how to fight. And what really got me is then, uh, what's his face? Uh, Cletus, who's, like, ordering the guards around, says, no, no, he's playing some juvenile game. You have to match what he's doing. And he sort of crouches down like a football player, says, like this. So all the guards crouch down like the football players. And I'm like... What is this movie? What, and then, what is and happening? Dale's like cheering him on on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. She's even doing like pom pom moves. <laughs> I think, um, th- and there's a couple of running little things here. Obviously, this idea that they all secretly want to overthrow Ming. So you get Blind Blessed's character. He's like, he keeps doinking a guard in the head and sort of pretending that he doesn't know what's happening to him and just sort of like, you know, enjoying himself. That was like a little running gag for like a couple of seconds. That was kind of mm-hmm. funny and uh he's really entertaining yeah so you got all this stuff uh but they eventually beat flash obviously he gets hit in the head i I think it's zarkov who throws it at his head uh and ends the the whole thing Yeah, i think so and this is because we've seen the princess kind of like watching like oh what's going on who's who's this piece of juicy man meat uh but she goes up to her dad and goes father don't kill him i want him give him to me and Ming says, no, uh, I'm not having that. Uh, especially since she's meant to be engaged to Timothy Dalton at this point. Uh, so what would he think? So no, no. Like, yeah. And also like the doctor or whatever. I don't know if she's engaged, but like she's just throwing herself at everyone. Oh, she's not engaged to the doctor. She's having an affair with the doctor, seemingly just for the purpose of so that he'll do things for her. Like, for example, fake Flash's death when he gets executed so that he doesn't die so she can take him away for herself you know things like that but like as, as they're enacting this plan where he's waking him back up after this gas chamber he basically turns and says hey i can't wait to go on another like get away with you again she's like yes my love we'll do that and then he leaves the room and it's like oh now it's all about flash <laughs> now, now she's like you're looking right at flash and she has like a little fight with timothy dalton at one point around the early part of the movie as well where he calls mm-hmm. her a bitch so you get a sense that she is just seducing men left and right and having them work for her uh, and doing stuff for her. Um, sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it made her one of the more interesting characters just because she, she's... I, do you know what it is? It's because so much of the other stuff is so cheesy and kid-like that having a character who is very sexual kind of stands out against mm-hmm. everything else. So any of the sex jokes feel like they're, I don't know, that they're cutting through it a little bit more. Because there's a few things like that throughout the movie, not just her, but she's the main the biggest part of that i'd say yeah i think it's interesting also that you know she's she's sort of starts off as a villain because she's the daughter of ming mm-hmm. um but she's not really a, a villain because she helps out our main characters all the time and like is the reason for their success so you can't really call her a villain in, by the end of the film and she's still like overtly sexual which is something that you know for any other film uh, would be considered like, oh, this is the person who's bad, who's evil, you know, because of their overtness with their sexuality. I think what's strange about it is that 
she is very villainous, or maybe not villainous, but she's very selfish to start with. Right? So it's all about just what she wants, and that's why she's doing things. She's not doing it for any good reasons. She maybe really does love all these men. Uh, uh, she their culture. I'm not. That's not my point, though. I'm. I'm saying that like, her stealing Flash and saving him is because she wants him. Not be, like I'm not. I'm not passing judgment on what she's doing with all the other characters. I'm just saying. She's not saving Flash to be a hero to, because she, she, you know, she doesn't want him to die. She, she's doing it because she wants him. Well, maybe initially. Yeah, initially she definitely is. Um, and if anything, I would say that they could probably make their arc a bit more clear and the idea that maybe Flash's goodness inspires her to be better and, and so on and so on. I think it's more that her dad, like, you know, allows for her to be whipped yes. over and over again. Yeah, she, she, she feels betrayed by her father, but in reality, the, the art maybe should have been that she learns to be a bit better. And that doesn't necessarily mean dropping her sexuality side of herself. That, that's fine, whatever. I hope not. But it, it feels like you could have done a better. What's funny, though, to me is that there were so many moments. like So after she wakes Flash up after he's been in the gas chamber, and she takes him onto this little ship, and they, they, they're flying off to the, the tree planet. <laughs> and Arbor. She's just uh, sitting on his lap and kissing him and blah, blah, and doing all these little things. And he's kind of getting into it and blah, blah. But I was getting, do you know, I was getting reminded of a little bit with this scene. You know, in the room, when Lisa's like first making a move on Mark and she like sits on his lap and he's like sitting there going, What are you doing? What is that? Like, I was getting a little bit of that from this. <laughs> Greg Sestero could have been a good Flash Gordon. I mean, he would have been a bad Flash Gordon, but it would have made it good. I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm getting a little bit of Mark from the room in Flash Gordon's performance. I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, She's way better than whoever played Lisa, though. Oh, oh yeah, sure. And there's actually a really good funny line here, because uh, like, as they're flying away, she reveals that they can communicate tele uh, telepathically. Not not because they've got the natural ability, but they've got like, it's like telepathic phone devices that they put in their head mm -hmm. and then they can like send a message to someone and flash insists that he send a message back to dale because everyone else thinks he's dead at this point so he sends a message back to dale and says hey i'm alive it's okay but as he's doing this the princess is on his lap and starting to kiss him and stuff and he randomly just thinks halfway through this like telepathic phone call um oh god this woman's turning me on so much and then dale's like Wait, what was that and then his response <laughs> to that question is Oh, that was nothing. It wasn't about you. <laughs> that was funny, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not going to make her feel better. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that part, actually. It was really funny. Um, but even before that, there's a, just right before that line, there's a quick bit where he said, hey, I'm going to try and, like, you know, get some help from this other planet. Um, just uh, fake out until I get back. And she's like, fake out? What do you mean? Like, I know you can do it. Lots of girls do it with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. What is this dialogue? Um, it's a little, yeah, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, I think. It has yeah. to be, right, for that. But, like, uh, I do like the little moments where, like, because he's communicating through telepathy, so, like, he does occasionally just say a couple of lines out loud that he doesn't want to say. Like, oh, God, you know? or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> but some of the lines are just, like, you know, out of context, the the princess like has no idea what he's saying <laughs> so some of the lines i mean she should have been like what yeah but in any case it was uh it was a really funny moment 
I like that scene. No, I, that scene where the comedy mostly worked for me. It felt like it was sort of hitting the tone that it wanted. Uh, and I, mm-hmm. I was getting kind of the, the, the humor of it. And it was almost like for one scene in the movie, the actor's kind of like blank, like clueless kind of vibe actually added to the comedy rather than yeah. detracted from it. <laughs> I would agree with that, yeah. Um. So... That's fair. Uh, before we keep going with that stuff, though, uh, the other two main characters back at the Ming's, you know, palace or whatever, or, you know, it is. Um, Dale is, like, dressed up like uh, I, I Dream of Genie. <laughs> I'll, I'll say something like that. Uh, she said uh, she has, like, five outfits in the period of ten hours. But she she's put with all these other women in this, like, sort of, like, lavish bedroom. And like one of them gives her this this booze that's like you know men died bringing this back from some planet um it will make your pleasure planet yeah yeah it will make your time with the emperor more agreeable and i'm like wait are you are you saying it's it's for him now yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) which she later uses uh to get out by convincing the other woman who's like sort of keeping her there to to drink it but so that's her thing uh, she turns out to be, like this actually like both wowed me and then annoyed me that they didn't use it more later is that she does her own escape scene and she takes one of their outfits and she's running around and she's doing like stealth stuff and then she ends up in a fight where she's doing cartwheels with a laser gun and like actually fighting off all these guards and the guards actually had a bit of a not most of star wars car- uh tuscan raiders oh okay yeah uh well yeah they can't shoot for shit but also oh sure yeah <laughs> I do like the, the their their method of dying. Um, they when they immediately get a light scratch by the laser, <laughs> they just they make a weird noise and then just sort of fall, fall in the same way. Those phasers were not set to stun. Okay, they, mm-hmm. they were they were dead. <laughs> but now she's doing like cartwheels and like action moves and firing this laser gun, and I'm like, you're a travel agent. Where did the, like, well, how are you so good at this? And then but then it kind of annoyed me later because I was like. Why is she not more involved in all this action at the end? Why is she the damsel? <laughs> she clearly is quite yeah. capable. <laughs> yeah, they sort of set her character up as being like, uh, maybe because she was kind of standoffish to Flash. Mm. In, the, in the beginning, I was like, oh, she's probably going to be like independent and don't need no man. But then immediately becomes like damsel in distress, only to find out that she actually has martial arts moves and then becomes you know, damsel again when he's around. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it was when she had the laser gun that I was getting Leia vibes because I was I was just thinking of Leia on the Death Star with the laser gun running around. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I'm getting some Leia from this. I mean, I guess maybe some of like the model work and stuff reminded me a bit of Star Wars. But for the most part, I, I, I didn't really think about Star Wars very much while watching I- this. I got a few. It was a trio of characters, the escaping from like the the, the villain's place, like the Death Star. Uh, there was just there was lots of and nothing big, but it was just all these little things where I'm like, I'm not sure if this is taken from Star Wars because Star Wars was successful, or because Star Wars already took it from there <laughs> from Flash Gordon. I'm not sure what the again what the cycle has done here, so I can't say for sure. But uh, I was definitely noticing little things. Obviously, there's a lot of differences. I mean, Star Wars took inspiration from a lot of things. I mean, it, it took more inspiration from Hidden Fortress, arguably, than it did from Flash Gordon. But uh, and that's a very different film to Star Wars. Uh, but um, yeah. yeah, so and now you got uh, Zarkov, who Meng reveals to that the only reason why he's destroying Earth is because Zarkov figured out that there was someone doing this to them. He says that if 
he does this to planets all the time and if the planets just like, sort of like assume it's natural and don't look into it they're like, oh they're innocent and they're they're too ignorant and dumb they're like they're no threat to us in my empire so i'll leave them be but because uh, zarkov figured it out and as he puts it saw the hand of ming uh it's like well earth has to die and he tries to erase zarkov's brain to turn him into a like a drone soldier uh, and it's teased when he first starts talking afterwards that it's not really worked because he kind of like almost says just his name rather than oh I'm Zarkov the Imperial Guard number blah 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 whatever his line is. Uh, so he actually helps uh, Dale escape when he runs into her, uh, and they end up with the Hawk people. We get a whole scene where the Hawk people are flying them to mm-hmm. back to their home worlds. Yeah, it's a little bit of a Superman flight scene just with the special effects. Uh, but I mean, we get the—they're like attached with um, handcuffed to the hawks and stuff, mm. so they're kind of like flying like Superman. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Flash is on the tree planet because that's so. Timothy Dalton is not too happy that his bride to be has brought her new boy toy to be protected by him, and is very upset about it to the point where he actually locks Flash up as soon as she leaves, and then tries to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> he does have multiple reasons to be upset about this. First of all, that's his woman, and she's brought this other man around that he knows she wants to, you know, diddle with. And then, also, Ming thinks that he's dead. So, like, if he sees that he's harboring this guy mm-hmm. that's supposed to be dead, like, he's gonna kill everybody. So, <laughs> he's got plenty of reasons to be upset about this. Yeah, uh, and he's already kind of found out, actually, because they were listening to dale talk about it but before she escaped so mm-hmm. uh they're already on their way well ming's not but for some reason even in this world they have regular ass security cameras <laughs> yes but the people watching the security cameras all have these weird like vr looking like glittery headset things on mm-hmm. so there's there's some differences there's there's some like sci-fi stuff yeah uh but it's clear it's just on his way his big dick ship uh to, to come and find them uh nice but basically, the the hawks come and get them from the from the tree planet. Uh, so after Timothy Dalton and Flash have been fighting for a bit, uh, and there's a whole thing where it's like, oh, put your hand in this tree trunk, and you might get bit by this creature. Yeah, there's it's a like some sort of rite of passage, some initiation ceremony when a boy comes of age, and like the the ceremony is like a bunch of guys in a circle. It sounds like they're just jerking off, like it's a literal circle jerk. Uh-huh. <laughs> because mm-hmm. even the princess just like, I love initiations. <laughs> 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 it's really funny. <laughs> I never, uh, I never put those two things together, but yeah, you said oh, them I like that. I thought it was so obvious. <laughs> There's also like a big release that they all do at the end. <laughs> I mean, that's just. I mean, I already got that she is very sexual, likes to be whipped. You're just adding in she likes a bit of a, a, a grip environment as well. Okay, all right. So, yes, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, once they, got, that's that, cause once they got to the other planets, especially, is when I started to kind of like get a little bit bored. And it's not that there's nothing happening. Like, Flash almost gets eaten by some thing in the swamp, you know, I the like bottom that, of the tree planet. I part. I thought, he was, I thought that was cool. <laughs> Uh, you know, and whatever, but that's when the Hawks show up, and uh, he earns Timothy Dalton's respect because Brian Blessed makes them fight to the death on this, like, circular platform 
which then has spikes come out of it, which by the way, these spikes look so cheap and like like flimsy. There's a couple I of points. They have to be. Yeah. But there's a couple of times where you can kind of see one of them wobbling, you know. There's a, but even there's a little platform that they uh, flash jump. I didn't jump see any of them bend, and I was looking for bendy spikes. Uh, there's a little platform leading off the main part to this plat, this circular platform that Flash jumps on later on in the scene, and it legitimately kind of tips when he does it. And I'm like, I don't feel that's meant to do that. It just it did it, and they're just living with it, <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. just accepting that. Oh, this thing moves. It's fine. <laughs> like I don't know. It just looks flimsy, uh, but. Basically, Flash wins the fight, but he saves Timothy Dalton's life and pulls him up before he falls into the void. Uh, if I know, <laughs> minor side note here. Um, after the princess gets whipped, her punishment's going to be that she's going to set uh, spend time on the. Uh, I think it's Frigil. Phrygia. Or Phrygia. It's basically like this ice moon that's at the bottom of uh, like their space. But it made me laugh because obviously this wasn't a thing when this movie was made, but it made me think of someone getting fridged. It kind of felt like, oh, we're going to fridge her. <laughs> we're going to send her to fridge <laughs> The Iceman. Um, also, uh, Cletus, who's got the hots for uh, Ming's agreeing that after she served her, her you know, sentence of a year or whatever, or 10 years, whatever it is, uh, she can marry someone deserving of her. And Cletus is like, oh, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> He knows it's going to be him. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, so uh, Timothy Dalton gets pulled up. He doesn't fall into his death. And he's like, Flash, wherever you go, I follow. And at first, Brian Bless is upset because he's like, he wanted a death. You know, he was like, fight to the death, you bastards. I'm, I'm here for entertainment. But because they're all here, Ming shows up with his ship and just, you know, like, destroys everything. Although not before. And this, this is actually an interesting little story beat, actually is Ming actually comes to speak to Flash and offers him, like, Earth. He says, how about you work for me as one of my upper generals and you can rule Earth. That can be your planet. Was it Earth? I thought it was something else. No, it was Earth, because he says that um, after the, the his weather shit weakens them all, you know, to an extent, it'll be easy to rule. And obviously Flash Gordon's like, no, I'm not going to enslave Earth. I'm not going to do that. But there is this interesting element to this where Ming at this point is like, you're special, you're a hero, Flash, and I would rather have you on my side. And, you know, this is, and, and I was like, what exactly has he done up until this point that's earned this reaction from Ming? Well, he's escaped death. I mean, maybe Ming doesn't uh-huh. really know exactly everything that's happened, so just from looking at him, he's like, well, from the outside perspective here, uh, he must be, you know, sensational. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Ming's not figured out that the doctor gave him something to fake his death and then resuscitated him. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but he's just, starting to, you know, get these uh, other societies to follow him and respect him. So he's like, okay, let me just give you your own planet. I, I like that scene as well. Also, you know, it reminds us that Max von Sydow is in this movie and he's always going to be good. Yeah, he's very good. But they destroyed the planet, the Hawk World planet. And luckily, though, Flash Gordon finds a space jet ski uh, just in time. <laughs> so he escapes. That's what it is, a jet ski. I love it. Yeah, I wrote that down, too. I was like, I, I love this. I mean, nothing's cooler than a, a jet ski, if you ask uh, Kenny Powers. And I, I I love that with the Queen soundtrack when that kicks in and, like, the wind's blowing in his hair. I was getting major Dune vibes 
of like riding the worm you know oh yeah 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 uh i, I do think that guitar and that dune music is even better than this but you know it's... i think that is a bit more epic but this is yeah. you know reminds me of something that i it, love and it also so i liked it it also does that thing where someone in another scene says no one can save us now and it cuts to flash on the jet ski it's like flash <laughs> ah! yeah you did it <laughs> save every one of us <laughs> uh, i like queen as a band uh, I, I don't think their flash garden song is one of their best though I'll just, uh, I wouldn't say so either, but it does. I mean, it does fit this movie. Like every time you hear that, dun, yeah. dun, 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 you're like, "All right." The, the baseline's good. Things are warming up. <laughs> the ba- the baseline's all right. Um, yeah. So yeah, so Flash is like, you know, I I'm I'm okay. Brian blessed and Brian blessed. You know what? Since you helped us like you know escape and evacuate and all that jazz, um, we'll follow you now. So he's basically arranged for both them, uh, and the three people. Although. Uh, not Dalton, because Dalton's actually taken prisoner uh, from Ming with with Dale. So they're, they're locked up at the palace when all this is going on. But there's a big fight, you know, big battle sequence where Flash comes in in his jet ski. Uh, all the hawks are there. They're fighting. There's laser guns. Uh, Will's the wedding between uh, Ming and Dale supposedly happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't give a shit that there's this big battle happening. They're just like, yeah, we're, we're going to rush this wedding and it's get it done. It's been initiated by um, the guy from The Shining, the... The one from the, the oh, bathroom. Oh, I was going to say Bartek. You're right. It's the, it's the the bathroom attendant, I guess, is the mm-hmm. the title. Uh, yeah. It's notable that you just you, just, you know who that's from The Shining. Like, it's not that big a part, but he's that memorable in that one yeah. little scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. it's like, oh, okay, okay. And I like his lines in this, you know, for, you know, the, the wedding vows are familiar, but very different because they're like, um, you <laughs> vowed not to you know throw her into the vacuum of space until you know the time comes to where you feel it's necessary (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i think isn't she called like bride of the hour also (laughs) oh some of that yeah um he um because that's the thing earlier on when he comes into the bedroom and she's like escaped and she's like you know drunk the other woman (laughs) to like be lying there and Ming's like taking off his belt. He's like, "All right, it's time to initiate the new bride." Mm-hmm. And then he sees her, and he's like, "It's you, Nocta, except for my bride." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. But before the wedding starts, though, uh, basically the princess comes to see Dale, and Dale tries to fight her. And this bugs me as well, as they start having like a really typical like cat fight where they're rolling around in the bed, just clawing at each other. And I'm like, "Yeah, you were doing another one of those things where it's like this is." But she was I, doing. Not, she I was doing martial. I've been into like the that kind of. I, I don't. I don't see the appeal of watching two women fight. Nor nor do I. But like uh, earlier on in the movie, she was doing cartwheels and martial arts, and like, what? Why are you doing cat fighting now? Yeah, like why I, are you I, pillow fighting? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, yeah. But obviously, like she she gives uh, her poison to give to Ming, because uh, she wants her father to be killed now. Yada yada yada. Uh, ultimately, the whole thing ends when uh, Flash and uh, Brian Blessed crash Ming's own ship with the spike at the front into the palace, which impales Ming from behind through, through his chest, not his ass. Just uh, that's silly. Like was there's been a lot of sexual talk in this movie. Okay, I had to specify. There is penetration in this scene, though. Yeah, there's penetration. I think I think that is appropriate. Uh. And again, I was I was looking for the front of the spike to wobble because obviously it's not going through him. It's, 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 it's a thing that's attached to him. No, it looks okay. It looks all right, but I was sort of like, it could. It feels like a sort of movie that could do this. 
There could be some wobbliness here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Meng decides to use his own ring on himself to like make himself disappear rather than like let Flash finally kill him or be defeated by him. Uh, so you get like a cliffhanger ending later on where it says the end question mark is, is a black love. love. That. Picks up the ring and you hear just Ming's laughter like, oh, they were hoping they were going to get a sequel and that Ming would return. That's what they're hoping. Yeah. Well, he's like the big bad, right? So if they had, if they, if they did bring him back, it would be like Lex Luthor dying at the end of Superman. Like, that's sure. not going to work. You got to, got to keep him around. Although speaking of Star Wars comparisons, I would say that uh, the scene before the little tease at the end uh, is not... A- super unlike the the medal ceremony at the end of the original star wars you know you, you've got timothy dalton making a big speech at the top of the stairs uh now he's emperor and now all the different planets will live in peace with each other hawkman's become the the, the... also earth is okay even though like the timer definitely ran out <laughs> oh yeah uh and it, yeah it's funny because flash turns to or the, the three humans are like oh like are we gonna get home oh i hope so uh, we can try and Timothy Dalton's like, oh, we invite you to stay, of course. Like, you know, you're, you're a hero and all that. And Dale's like, nah, I'm kind of a city person. <laughs> this is a <laughs> same for me. Uh, yeah, she's like, I'm from New York. It's too quiet for me here. That was a funny line. Yeah, and the last thing before the little, like, cliffhanger teaser is the Hawks making the words, thanks, Flash, in the sky. <laughs> They're like drones. Which, uh, yeah, mm. so that's cute. Yeah, I I wish I cared more about like, or I liked the, the main characters more so that I cared more about what was happening as it was going on. I think once it became because I like Timothy Dalton well enough, but you know, Flash like try to can like convince him that to stop fighting him and rise up against uh, you know the the evil emperor. It's just, it's kind of dull. I, I don't think there's anything that exciting about it. You're just, I was just kind of waiting for it to get to the next part for the, mm-hmm. you know, so. Um, and then the actual big final battle, it lasts for quite a while. There's a lot of stuff where they're taking over the ship and they're attacking it and whatnot. And there's a lot of lasers flying around. It's all just kind of like a, a mesh in my head, though. There's no, like, distinct moments for me that really stuck out. Um, the only thing I really remember during the fight is at one point, uh, Timothy Dalton, after they get break free in the palace, like picks up some giant laser machine gun <laughs> and starts running around with that, uh, and looking kind of badass. But there wasn't like distinct like set piece moments that I can kind of point to and say, "Oh, that was a cool little stunt," or "That was a cool like conceptual little action piece," or something. You know, like it, it all just feels like really generic firing blasters at each other. And there's points where flashes on the jet ski, and he's, they've obviously got a fan blowing at his hair, so his hair's just flowing, and it's just yeah. like laser beams going past his head. And that's, you know, it's it's fun potentially, but I, I never really got like a a sense of momentum in the big, you know, third act you know, fight. You know what moment, what detail I really like? It's, it's just a blink and you'll miss it, but when the metal face guy gets thrown onto the spikes and dies for some reason his eyes like bulge out and his tongue starts like yeah. to bulge out of his face it's suddenly very gory yeah yeah it's really gory i'm like i love that i mean it's kind of fake gory <laughs> like it doesn't look realistic by any means but yeah it's no, just but it's, it's just, just it's enough to where you're like whoa didn't expect that that's cool <laughs> yeah he gets he gets killed basically on the platform of the spikes with you know flashing uh it's a little uh total recall yeah, Flash and Baron were fighting on the, the, the platform of the spikes, and after they're done, uh, Cletus shows up, and Flash just kind of throws him onto it, and he dies. I mean, that's basically it. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot to mention that when we were going through it, so yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the final battle, I agree, it's kind of like, um, it's okay. Like, I would have liked it if it was more obviously, like, Flash's superpower is that he's a quarterback, and so they use that in some way, and they really don't. No. There's just, there's nothing about it. It's just, it's just kind of like, it feels very generic, and just because it's tongue-in-cheek and because it's lighthearted it doesn't mean that it still can't be an exciting action piece or still at least have enough of a structure that you can kind of follow and, like, understand the... You know, if they try to take over this, this ship so they can then use it to, to to win the fight, like, make that goal kind of clear and make it feel like they're, they're fighting their way to, like, the, the, you know, the, the command deck and, you know, like, give us the beats of it so that we can follow it from bit to bit. And I just kind of feel like it's just a massive, uh, you know, lots of lasers and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not much of a, a sense of progression in it, really. So yeah, it, it definitely needed some uh, storyboarding for that one. Mm. Yeah. I I do find something very satisfying about the words at the end popping up in movies. Like I love that when uh, you know when you watch older films and stuff. That's always mm. a, that's a thing. And then just waiting an extra couple seconds to see if the question mark pops up, and this one delivers it to me, <laughs> and I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's trying to be a, you know, a play in old school stuff, so it makes sense that it would. Ming's do it. ring is like there with some spattered blood and stuff, and so it's like saying, "Oh, the end," because of you know Ming is gone, and then it says question mark, and you see his hand like grab the ring again. Like, all right, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd say great, but <laughs> it's. I don't want to be too harsh on it because ultimately, I appreciate that it's this. You know spectacle movie that is trying to be cheesy it's trying to be tongue-in-cheek at times i don't know if it quite nails a tone that it's going for for me where i i, I could kind of get into it and feel like it's um in fact you know what i can i'd compare this to in a weird way and say that this is like the much worse version and it's not trying to do the exact same thing but in terms of like getting the tone right so that it always feels correct in the movie and the movie has this identity that works and like everything all the humor in it syncs up with it is galaxy quest i think galaxy quest mm-hmm. is the much better version in a sense of what this is and in the, the way that it's playing on a lot of tropes and obviously it's doing it in a metal way because it's you know it's doing all these like it's the cast of a tv show that are the, the characters and all that but it, it kind of it you know it's doing all these silly things where you've got this generic alien villain you've got uh generic you know all these like tropes that it's poking at and making fun of in this, I don't necessarily feel like every trope that it brings up, it's doing anything with. It's just, oh, that's just a trope because that's always been a trope in Flash Gordon. And it kind of picks and chooses what it's, you know, having some fun with. And then some of them are just there. Whereas with Galaxy Quest, every single thing that it's, it's sort of poking at from Star Trek or other science fiction, it feels like, no, the script is so goddamn smart because it's so layered and everything mm-hmm. is a reference. Everything yeah, every, everything is connected to, like, some idea. Uh, here it kind of feels like, Oh, like everyone's having fun. They put a lot of thought into the sets, but uh, the, the script feels a bit more just hit and miss with what it's doing. And then you add on to the, the fact that you've got your your lead actor is detracting rather than adding to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would actually prefer he was worse than better. Well, not worse than better, but I'd prefer he was worse than this to this because at least if he was laughably bad, that might be entertaining on its own as so well. I'm saying, man, Red, Red Brown, this role was made for him. Imagine... Uh, At this time, also. 
Imagine him on the jet ski towards the Embridge Red Brown. Oh and, and he, and so amazing. And he's doing his yell. He's, he's doing his like, <laughs> as, as he's on the jet ski. <laughs> be perfect. I mean, it is a little bit close to your, I think, this, this type of movie. But... Do you know what? I don't think so. And the reason why is because your will set in the future is mostly set in what looks like prehistoric times. So visually, it'd be so different that I think it's fine. You get away with it. I would have loved it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's funny is I was sort of browsing uh, like what the reception at the time was, and it was relatively positive. Uh, but what was funny is that one of the positive quotes I saw from a critic, it may explain also why it doesn't quite work for me, is they said, they, they compared it to, it has the energy of the, the later Bond movies. And I went, oh, I hate James Bond. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I don't like this. I mean, some of Ming's um, devices are very much taken from Bond. Oh, yeah, his uh, device to like make uh, Zarkov's memory go is very much... Uh, it's very Bond. Yeah. As... Yeah. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, I can see that comparison. I like the Bond movies, though. I like the old ones. Yeah. Except for the sexism. But oh, like, sure, yeah. You get over it. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, though, is that that was a positive comment from the person who made it, but it lines mm -hmm. up with me not liking Bond movies and then not liking elements of this. And I can kind of, you know, once I read that, I went, yeah, like so, some of the cheesy vibe of this is, like, skewing towards the cheesiness of some of the Bond movies, and I don't like that type of cheese. We should definitely do Moonraker one day, though. Oh, because it goes to the moon, so technically that's the one sci-fi one movie. sci-fi one, yeah. I'll be honest, some of the technology he has in some of the later films, not maybe not the, the Craig ones, but the Pierce Brosnan ones, he has a car that goes invisible. I mean, that's basically science oh, fiction. Oh, yeah. I mean, most Bond <laughs> movies you could say are sci-fi, because he, he has all this spy tech that definitely doesn't exist. There, there's definitely some lines, though, where you're like, I'll, you know, I'll accept that like maybe NASA has something like this that we just don't know about yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. But, maybe the CIA... <laughs> but the car going invisible is is not is not one of we don't have we don't have perfect predator cloaking tech okay no we do that not we know of that we know of i mean maybe, i don't know who knows <laughs> it's 2022 maybe nasa's sitting on uh on some of that the reason why i keep saying nasa is because i've been watching for all mankind and there's a kind of a joke uh in season one where they've got like uh i think it's betamax tapes to watch stuff on the on the moon and there's kind of a reference to the fact that, oh yeah, like companies don't want the public to know it's possible to do this because it would mean they could record things and then skip the commercials. Uh, and I just, it was kind of funny to me because that's actually, yeah, that was a concern. Just just like when TVs became a thing, mm -hmm. you know, movie theaters and like cinema, you know, uh, movie companies were concerned that TV was going to take away from business. It's just funny to me, this idea that, yeah, they did exist for a little while before they were you know, unleashed to the public. Uh, so. yeah. The thing that always makes me uh, think of something like that is like when they give the astronauts, well, this was in Contact, and I know it's in other movies too, where they they give astronauts a, like a pill that they can take so mm. they don't have to die slowly. You know, they can take an insta-death if they want to. And I'm like, I don't think that exists. Because it, like it, even if it did, like they're just lying that they're not, that it would be painless because... I don't think that exists. Like we, the technology we use for like um, capital punishment, which is unfortunately still around, is like very, very hard to to find, and it's like a, a lot of steps, you know, in order to make sure that somebody who's going under 
is going to die successfully through injection and stuff. So, like, mm. if we just had a pill that we could give people for, you know, the punishment of death or whatever, then, like, that would be in existence, I think. And actually, the stuff that's being used for capital punishment is, uh, like, we're running out of it, which is a reason why we shouldn't have that anymore. <laughs> and there's, like, no replacement, apparently. I'm tempted to make a dark joke about other methods one could use, but I'm not going to go down that path. <laughs> well, that's the thing that like, has legitimately brought been brought up. Like, do we just go back to firing squad, or like, is guillotine actually like the most humane way? <laughs> well, like, what about well, obviously uh, the most humane ways to not do it at all? But oh yeah. <laughs> well, what about the uh, that thing they used to kill cows? The 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 gun thing that they put. The... It stuns them. It doesn't kill them. Oh, does that kill them? Oh, that, that... No, it stuns them, and then they still die with it. Getting a knife in the throat. Okay, well, I guess Michael Myers had the, the right idea all along then, alright? <laughs> 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 um, no, I just, it was just, it was, I was just, because uh, we're talking about tech, you know, that was just fresh in my mind. Sure, yeah, yeah, I know, it's a weird conversation to have, but like, I always think of that when they, I think they did it in like Apollo 13 also, where they're like, they give them the pills. I'm like, that's not a thing though, right? Like, it can't be a thing. It does, it does make sense. Um, that you know, like technology that we have does exist before the public ever knows about it because it has to. It has to get to that point where it's reliable before it becomes mm-hmm. mass produced and and given out. So it makes sense. Um, may, maybe you could get a pill that could just render you unconscious and like so you won't experience the nasty death you're probably about to have. <laughs> maybe that's the know. thing. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, something that'll just completely make you numb to the pain, at least, so you can... So it's just Rohypnol? Like in this movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, self-administered Rohypnol, yes. That's... <laughs> Why not? That's all the pills are, they're just... Here's some roofies, in case you get to the moon and <laughs> there's something there we didn't expect. I mean, that, I mean, obviously we glossed over it and we joked about what it was, but we have to do to circle back to that scene for a second. This like group of women who are his wives or his servants who work with his wives have a system in place to give booze to the wife to make the forced encounter she's about to have with them easier. That is so effed up in so many yeah. ways. Like it is such a. Like, we've, we've got a system in place to make this easier on you. And they say they have to smuggle it, so, like, he doesn't even know. He just thinks he's that good, that he's, he's, he's knocking them dandy every time every time he does it. I don't know, man. Who knows what he does to them? Maybe it's not pleasure. Like, maybe it's... Maybe he just, like, tortures them. Do you think that's why his daughter's, like, sort of inherited some of these desires? Like, she, like some of this kink has yeah, come down? Yeah, biologically passed down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they might as well just call this movie Fifty Shades of Every Color, then. <laughs> See what I did there? Because it's very colorful. I haven't seen those movies, but I imagine this one's much more entertaining. Yeah, okay. I know you've seen the movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. I wasn't trying to pretend I hadn't. <laughs> well, no, but I like the idea that I had to make you admit it. <laughs> I mean, we, I did review them, like the video, the evidence exists, like... Uh, <laughs> it's just a nice little reminder, okay. in case anyone's new. Anyway, I think, I think we're done. 
Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's a fairly obviously it's a fairly lighthearted movie. There's not like, you know, necessarily deep themes going on, and even if you did try to extrapolate some from the sexuality of the movie, you know, maybe there's something there about like what it represents to sort of mix, you know, these jokes and these this, these types of themes with this cheesy kind of child like friendly otherwise thing you know maybe there is something there i don't know but there, yeah there is something to like um hyper sexualizing uh something from like your parents used to like that was very g-rated before you know mm. yeah i also yeah i also wonder like it's, it's kind of interesting to me because obviously it, this is an old movie to us and it doesn't feel too cynical, even though, you know, I've, we've acknowledged that, you know, it only exists because Star Wars was big, really. I, I do think it's interesting to think about how they resuscitated this old property to make a movie. And I think about, like, today and how many, like, franchises are coming back because they're trying to, like, you know, make them a big thing again. The problem is, of course, now is they do it really often with the same franchises and they're doing it so much with everything and there's, like, almost everything's a sequel or a reboot of some kind. From but, this time period, too. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the late 70s and early 80s that have given us most of the pop culture that we're still kind of, you know, just using over and over again. You know, I, I, when people say it's always been less, there's always been sequels and reboots and things. I'm like, well, yeah, but look at this time period where almost all the things we are reusing came from. They're, they were all new in this time period. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say I would have lived during this time period, but at the same time, I can't imagine how exciting movies were for, like, you know, 75 through... 85 i mean geez what a time yeah peak spielberg at that time too peak spielberg peak cameron peak uh uh just being there for the first star wars probably would have been very exciting alien <laughs> like there's so much back to the future like that time period even all the horror movies from the 80s like all started pretty much in that first half of the decade mm-hmm. yeah that's that's nuts Anyway, so it's just it's just funny. It's like this movie is not well remembered as any of those. This is not a movie. This is a bit of a cult classic. It's got a following, but it's not held on a pedestal like anything I just mentioned. And I think that's kind of why, because this then is what you know. Uh, I don't want to make a one-to-one comparison here, so don't, don't take this as an exact thing. But this is kind of like what, say, the most recent Jurassic World was to now, right? It was. Oh, this is us trying to recapture something from an earlier time period. And it's not a one-to-one, because this is trying to be a little satirical about it. It's not exactly this, but this is why this hasn't got the same nostalgia and the same, like, place in pop culture that other things from this same time period do, from, you know, the late 70s and early 80s. So, just to wrap up on an actual thoughtful, analytical point about why this movie, you know, is remembered to an extent, but it's definitely on this lower threshold that's not the same as all these other big classics, by any means. And mm-hmm. I think that's why. I, th- I think it's because it was already uh, this, you know, rehash of something. And as they say that that can be good, obviously, you could bring up The Thing, you could bring up The Fly, you could bring up other movies that... The Blob. The, the Blob, yeah, that's a good example. Where it did something interesting and Maybe if they went further with their tone, they could have turned this into some sort of really camp, satirical classic. Um, I'll let it go far enough, though. And even if you do like it and you've got nostalgia for it because you grew up with it, I think you have to acknowledge that it doesn't have the same impact as anything else from this time period. So, 
That was, that was my final hurrah. Yeah. Would you like to rate soapbox. the movie? I'll take the soapbox now. <laughs> oh, it's the best thing ever. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's not, but I do really like it. So I, I, <laughs> I was impressed by how much I enjoyed watching it, if that makes sense. Because I was expecting like something kind of like a rocketeer. You know, in a way where like, yeah, it looks cool, but like, it's not, it's not getting me. I'm kind of bored. And I don't think that there was a moment I was bored. Maybe I was a bit overwhelmed by the ending just because it wasn't like the final battle, just because it wasn't very coherent. Um, and that can kind of make me feel a bit bored or at least a little more checked out, like, but, uh, which I was in this, but, you know, I do really like the the look of the movie a lot like i think the, the the look and the design the um the special effects everything like is right up my street of what i like you know and i love the horniness of the movie too i thought it just wasn't a thing i was expecting at all and uh definitely was uh <laughs> definitely was fun i think a lot of this movie is really fun and when it when it hits things right like you know him on the flying jet ski with the with the queen soundtrack is a really good moment um you know most of the stuff with the daughter i think is really fun um i do like max von Sydow. i don't know like we didn't really talk about his maybe problematic design but like it is coming off of a you know a, a concept from uh an earlier time so um Definitely something that probably should have been upgraded or addressed specifically in the film in, in a tongue-in-cheek way, I think. I think you get away with it to an extent. Or at least what they were thinking probably at the time was that, well, he's just an alien. This isn't yeah. based on Earth and on Earth. It's just an alien. And I think I maybe... Mean, his name is Ming, though, right? Sure, yeah. The name maybe conjures some ideas. But I think getting us to, you know, this like ultra-white Swedish actor... Yeah, to, I think that do does it. help. It does totally. help, yeah. If, if this was an Asian actor, I think it would feel a lot worse. Or Max von Sydow doing a, an Asian accent. Oh, yeah, that would, that, that, that that would, would be so bad. That is the worst case scenario, <laughs> is that, yeah, you've got someone trying to do... Yeah, I'm yeah. so glad it's just still him. Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of like... It's maybe as problematic as, like, the early Klingon design or something, where, like, we look at it now, and we're like, okay, yeah, clearly they're taking influence from like different cultures that are not white and just putting them together here and it's a bit problematic but like uh for the most part you can just kind of ignore it and then say that's you know of its time and i still enjoy it <laughs> i still enjoy it so i i do enjoy this still and I, you know i'll i'll give it a seven i think it's pretty fun oh oh <laughs> it's funny you brought up the rocketeer actually there because timothy dalton's also in that yeah um, which I, I, you know, I, I think I saw parts of a long time ago. I don't remember feeling particularly strongly about it. Um, yeah, this is actually a tough one to rate because I kind of respect a lot of what it's trying to do, and I kind of respect, you know, moments and bits of it and the odd joke here or there and whatever. I just, I, I, I just come back to obviously the lead actor is a problem, uh, and how the characters written is just kind of so bland, but fundamentally i think the biggest problem i have with it is just that it never really quite, quite feels like it clicks into place with the tone where i feel like it's consistently you know there's these little moments of like yeah when it's like the, the you know the like this woman's turning me on and, oh th that's not you like i think if it was a lot more of that like humor and him being more of like a like 
straight up doofus and saying the wrong thing constantly, I might have gotten more out of it and been into the, into it a lot more. So I'll go five point five. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna shit on it too much. I'm not gonna say it's like a a disaster. I ultimately just wasn't that into it and didn't think it quite fell into place. But you know, I I do appreciate all the big practical effects, as goofy as some of them are, and I appreciate a lot of the music and stuff. So yeah. Okay. No, I'll, I'll go five point five. But there you go. That is a uh, Flash Gordon. Uh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was that was so wrong. Whatever you just did. <laughs> well, you're supposed to just say the first name. Oh, so it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Because I said the title of the movie. <laughs> Flash. Ah. Uh. <gasps> Savior of the universe. Day man. Ah. Uh. Fighter of the night, man. Ah, champion of the sun. All right, all right, all right. Ah, so what are we doing next time? Fighter of karate and friendship for everyone. Day, man. I had to finish it, okay? I, to, I, can't, I can't not finish it. Uh, well, this is the thing. Uh, we've got a bit of a, a theme planned for the next while. Um, barring the odd exception, like when we do a vote winner like Star Wars, which will be during the next month, um, for most of the next few months, we're going to do movies from the 90s, and that is going to be our Ooh. our theme. And the reason why we're doing that is because at the end of the year, obviously we've got some other things in December. December won't be 90s themed itself, but we're going to end the year with a top 25 sci-fi movies of the 90s countdown. So we are intentionally going to cover a lot of 90s movies over the next few months, uh, and that starts next week. So there'll be one or two exceptions. Uh, but we'll probably do like 10 to 12 90s movies over a few months. So, um, yeah, and I believe the first one we're going to do, if I remember which one you picked, because I said, which one do you want to do? I think you said Mimic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a movie I've seen, but I saw it in theaters, so I would like to revisit this one. <laughs> uh, I saw it when it uh, debuted. I got it on pay-per-view on cable back when there was four pay-per-view movie channels and you had to like tune in at the right time because it wasn't like on mm-hmm. demand you just had to yeah i taped i taped it off a of pay-per-view that's how i watched mimic for the first time i remember that um but yeah so that's uh <laughs> that's what we're doing next week we're doing mimic so look forward to that and look forward to a variety of 90s movies, there'll be a mixture of some of the big ones that we've maybe not done yet, and then us maybe looking at some stuff that we've not seen before so we can have more of a an informed opinion as we go into doing a top 25 uh, at the end of the year. So uh, hopefully that sounds fun. Uh, you might remember we did something similar. It was more spread out, but we did something similar a couple of years ago with uh, time travel movies where we like tried to watch a lot of time travel movies over like a, probably like a six-month period and then did a top 10. Uh, similar idea here. We want to try and bolster our 90s sci-fi uh awareness before we do it so that's mm-hmm. the plan so yeah uh so yeah uh you know uh obviously the next patreon vote later in the month uh for october's patreon uh voted for episode uh will be an 80s vote so that's an obvious one to do as well uh so if you want to be involved in that or get stuff early or get bonus episodes uh you can go to patreon.com slash tv 
and do that over there. I'm stealing your plug, Tara, but I'm going to let you promote the newest thing that we do on Patreon. Yes, um, that's right, Peter. At the $5 <laughs> tier. <laughs> At the $5 tier, we now have an extra show, and it is called the Ace Meltdown, where we just uh, chat. We talk about what we've been watching. Um, could be anything. Maybe play a little trivia game of some type. Um, you can just get to know us a little bit better that way. Because um, we watch a lot of stuff. Well, I watch a lot of stuff. You watch a lot of stuff for content. I just watch a lot of stuff for myself. I mean, I used to watch a lot of stuff not for content, and then I started making content, and then I just... <laughs> yeah. You know, this morphed. I, I've, I've turned my watching of things into a productive part of my life. <laughs> Not that this is, like, super professional, but we're pretty relaxed on the Meltdown, I'd say. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a much more relaxed form of just chilling, letting each other know what things to watch or what things to avoid. Yes, yes. Super relaxing. Uh, <sighs> I, re I recommend uh, lighting some candles, getting in a bath, and just... Get a fake fireplace like I have. Listening to the soothing, soothing sounds of my voice and uh interrupted by my meh <laughs> <laughs> i was going to jokingly use the word shrill but uh <laughs> no i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> okay no. uh i retract i retract my suggestion of the use of the word shrill thank you um i'll take it to hr <laughs> luckily i'm hr so that's okay i'll feign myself innocent the system's broken <laughs> Uh, so yeah, go, go check out Patreon. Uh, of course, you can support everything as well uh, by hitting the super thanks button below the video on YouTube, or you can do it with no monies. Uh, that's okay. You can support us by liking, subscribing, commenting, sharing us on Twitter. We're at Streams Midnight for the Mail Fuzz Movies Twitter, so make sure you go and get us on there for updates and whatnot. Uh, but, uh, well, I guess that'll bring it Ed to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, it took us like five minutes to explain the, the, the 90s theme coming up, but uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. Uh, it's always a good sign as I'm, I'm doing the outro and Tara just face palms and starts rubbing her temple. Uh, is it really that bad? I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Okay, that's a look of... Ugh. Don't make me go to HR again. I'm in trouble here, apparently, right now. I just I feel a sense of danger. Thank you Good very night, everybody. Thank you very <laughs> much for watching or listening, everyone. We always appreciate it. Keep watching the science fiction and computer at Salsa.